I do love a good nylon string guitar. I play guitar. I, I, uh, I, uh, that's actually how I learned on a nylon string guitar. It just sounds just marvelous. Beautiful. Um, I made the analogy yesterday after we learned that the Colorado Supreme Court was going to, to, to remove Donald Trump's name from the ballot in their decision. It's like me being outside Comerica Park for a concert and saying I was there. I participated. I was amongst the concert crowd. Yeah, not really. I'm outside the gates. I may be able to hear the music, but I ain't a part of the show. And it's a little bit how I feel about about this situation with Donald Trump. This 14th Amendment, Section 3, has not been used in this way. It was enacted post-Civil War. So to, to say that Donald Trump is an insurrectionist as a, as a means and a vehicle to remove his name from a ballot, I, I'm not so sure that that jives. Again, I'm a lawyer, I'm a judge. But from what I can tell, it doesn't equate. But does that matter? Does Donald Trump actually need to be charged with a crime in order for that 14th Amendment to kick in? We bring in Adam Carrington. He's the associate professor of politics at the Van Andel Graduate School of Statesmanship at Hillsdale College, and he joins us. Uh, Adam, always good to talk with you. Good to talk with you, too. Thanks for having me on. This is a question, um, and unfortunately, yesterday we we were jam-packed. We didn't really get to process this, but... Is this this is something that our listeners were talking about and and people uh, all over were were asking, is Donald Trump an insurrectionist? He has not been charged with a crime. It is it it almost seems subjective to be able to say, well, he's this and therefore we can use this part of our Constitution. Does he actually need to be charged with a crime, charged as an insurrectionist in order for this to kick in? I would say yes. And I think by focusing on that, that's the. I think fundamental point that even if you disagree on a lot of other things, even people who disagree about what went on on January 6th or whether Donald Trump should have done what he did during the 2020 election, like even if you set all of that aside, and I know those those are uh, argued about points too, if you're going to disqualify someone based on the text of the 14th Amendment, you have to first decide in a in a process where he has a chance to defend himself, a due process. Did he actually commit the infractions that the 14th Amendment sees? And what the Colorado court did is in deciding the question before them, could he be on the ballot? They basically conducted a trial without full process on that other question. And I think that's why I would be stunned if you don't have an eight to one or nine nothing uh, rejection by the Supreme Court of the United States on this. Why does this particular amendment, because, again, to me, it feels kind of vague. And because it's never been utilized, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of questions surrounding this particular amendment. Why? Why does does this particular amendment, the 14th Amendment, uh, particularly Section three, why does it why does it bring up so many questions surrounding this case? I think first, as you said, historically, 
it's just not been regularly used. We, we, we fight every few months about free speech and what free speech means. And even though people disagree with it, it means we're used to talking about what its words mean, about what cases mean related to it. And as you said, we haven't really had anything about this since the Civil War era. It was written in response to what do we do with the ex-Confederates mm -hmm. after the Civil War. And therefore, we haven't had a chance to even think or talk through whether those terms mean anything after the Civil War generation ended and died and what those particular words now mean 150 years later to a situation also that very rarely happens. Thankfully, real insurrection, real rebellion is a very rare uh, circumstance for us. So we just, uh, in them bringing it out, they're bringing out something that we just haven't had to deal with, thankfully. And therefore, I think that's why there's, it's able to also be used by people who might want to abuse the system because people don't have the experience of, of working through this language. So so the Trump camp is going to appeal this, certainly, and, and it seems destined for the Supreme Court. And even if they take that case up, uh, as long as they agree to it, Donald Trump's name will appear on the ballot. Whether or not they are they move swiftly or slowly, Donald Trump's name will appear on that ballot. Now, my question is, in terms of the political poll that 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 could come from this, Donald Trump is really good at what most people would think to be pretty dire situations. Or pretty, I mean, pretty politically damaging situations. Donald Trump is really good at at spinning that into gold. Do you feel politically Donald Trump becomes stronger as a result of this, or do you think um, there are some that would consider voting for him, saying, "Look, if this is the case, it's going, and he's not going to be on ballots. We can't vote for him." Well, I will say. The this isn't going to change the outcome in Colorado. He he was not going to win Colorado absent a landslide of of like Reagan and eighty four s proportions. But I do think that it certainly greatly strengthens him within the Republican primary, where he was also very already very very strong, uh, because I think a lot of his appeal has been to say that he is part of a group of Americans who have been. Uh, picked on, who have been um, uh, uh, bullied around, and that he is standing up against those things. And I think that this will uh, strengthen him a lot. And I, th and I think it's because, too, you're going to see, I think, a big repudiation by the Supreme Court. And that's going to play into the idea that this is using the law for politics. And I think, uh, you know, how, how that would, might play out in the general election might be a little more up in the air. But I, I think if you had to guess that this would be strengthening his hand on the political side. How, how do you think the Democrats uh, spin this again from a political perspective? Um, are they going are they are they going to try to use this against him or is this is this case so flimsy that they're going to stay away? Obviously, you're going to have some Democrats that no matter what, they're going to look for any way to go after Trump. And that, you know, I, I, I so I can't say all of them. Uh, if I were a Democratic advisor, and I'm not, <laughs> just to be clear, I would be telling them the most you could use this is to vaguely reference President Trump, former President Trump's broader legal problems, mm. and maybe vaguely put in people's minds that 
if a guy's being charged with this many different things, then sure. maybe there's something wrong. But I think the focus on this is a losing issue overall. I think that when the facts come out and when it's really debated and litigated, it's really going to look like the accusations have very little leg to stand on. Adam Carrington at Hillsdale College, always appreciate the time. Uh, thank you. Have yourself a wonderful holiday. You too. Merry Christmas, everybody. Yeah, yeah. have a good one. That's Adam Carrington at Hillsdale College. Uh, in the meantime, I'd love to hear from you. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. Uh, we'll get to your calls, your texts coming up next. Also, I've got a question. Um, I've been told that I wrap presents the wrong way. How do you do it? Am I wrong? That's next on JR Afternoon.